We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Tuesday, September 26th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. With me today, like every Tuesday, and like he likes to say, the most important podcast you'll listen to all week, Jake Letarski. It's waiver wire time. Jake, um, did you watch Cowboys Cardinals? Yes, I did. I got to sit down and watch a lot of that game because I did have some some fantasy stake on the line. Even with Dak Prescott throwing 18 passes, John. He still managed to beat me by 0.32 points. So I'm still holding out oh. hope for a stat correction. But, but you know, I got this to lament uh, so far on this Tuesday. Point what? Point three two? Yep. Less than a third of a point. Oh, man. And he so he threw 18 passes, like you said, two touchdowns through the air, mm-hmm. one touchdown running. Yeah, That's the rushing rough, touchdown man. killed me. Once he got the rushing touchdown early, I knew I was going to be in trouble. How late in the game were you overtaken? I was overtaken on their last scoring drive when he ran to get about seven yards maybe before handing it off to Zeke for the touchdown. So, wow, you know, yeah, brutal. Like I said, hoping for a stat correction, but not optimistic. I'm going to get one. No. Well, sorry, man. Well, Hey, it happens. We'll try to cheer you two up for today. the week and the four I keep track of, but yes, we'll hopefully help uh, us and everybody else out with some waiver wire ads. Sounds good. Everybody. We'd like to thank Fanball for sponsoring the Rotor wire fantasy football podcast. Check them out now. Fanball.com. Um, check us out on Twitter. Jake is at jakeski52. I'm at jhalpin37. You can always tweet us at Rotowire. Find us at Rotowire on Facebook. And if you just want a news feed, which is great, always really helpful, injuries, things like that, uh, follow us on Twitter at Rotowire NFL. All right, what we're going to do like we do every Tuesday, we're going to go through the main fantasy positions and talk about maybe who you can cut, who you can pick up. Quarterback's always a dicey one, Jake. Um, mm-hmm. But there are... Uh, the, the, you know, it's so funny. I, I looked at the Ravens Jags game and I went, well, Flacco's not good, but he's not worse than Bortles. And after the game, I kind of went, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could, I could understand making that switch at this point. Joe Flacco only has three touchdowns all year. And one of them in the week three game was a pretty meaningless one at the end of the game to Ben Watson. So, you, you know, the touchdowns aren't there. And then 5.3 yards per attempt this season. Of course, it's a three game sample size, but that's Far and away, of course, the worst that he has in his career and probably one of the worst marks in the league so far. So if you did want to cut bait with him, you know, there are a couple streaming options, some young guys that you might want to take a look at. Um, All right. So let's talk about who to take a look at because we talked about streaming. And it's funny. Mm -hmm. we, We exchanged notes, everybody, before we start this. And you mentioned Jay Cutler as maybe a cut candidate. Mm hmm. Well. Yeah, you know what? I wrote that down a little bit out of instinct. Then I realized that he has the Saints in week four and he's maybe viable in that situation. But they did 
keep Cam Newton in check pretty well this week. So that's not necessarily a lock to lock in Jay Cutler this week. They did. I don't know if that says more about the Saints or more about Cam Newton, but that's maybe a conversation for a different time. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. Cutler, that's the Cutler is 38 percent owned if you really don't buy the Saints. And you're going to have to watch their corners. Both of the starting corners were out last Sunday. You can keep an eye on them. Um, otherwise, who are you looking at? If, you, if you're looking to stream, I'm trying to see the guys who, who are benchable this week. Uh, you know, Mariota at Houston, not the greatest option. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of got burned by benching him at Seattle. He finished with about 19 fantasy points, which was you know better than... Carson Wentz, who I thought was a lock for that, but you know, maybe that's just me. Right. And, and listen, I talked about yesterday, I mean, Steelers at Ravens. I mean, Big Ben on the road is, is almost a no go at this point. Yeah. I mean, the Ravens defense has been playing pretty well so far. So, or well, of course, with the exception of this, <laughs> right. this week three against Jacksonville, you know, I thought they had taken the turn, but I like to, sometimes I count that London game as a little bit of an outlier as to the rest of the season, because well, of course, Jacksonville's been down that road a bunch of times. Of course, Bortles probably the winningest quarterback at Wembley stadium of all time. But you know, for teams that aren't used to that trip or haven't done it a bunch, you know, I, I sometimes write that off as a little bit of an outlier. All right. And the other one is uh, Derek Carr goes to Denver. So that's one that you might, you know, basically, if you're ever looking for matchups mm-hmm. to avoid with your quarterbacks, that is that is option A. Yeah, probably got a sit car this week. All right. So who do you like? Who are streaming options that you're looking at? Well, in the same line as Cutler, someone who we've suggested you can cut in the past, but maybe stream for one week. I looked at your list and I, and I like Andy Dalton at Cleveland. Uh, he's someone I like what they revitalized with that offense. You know, he looked good early on in that Packer game. Of course, it slowed down a little bit, but the offense is going to be better now that they're using Joe Mixon consistently. And now that Andy Dalton is finding ways to get the ball to A.J. Green. So in a matchup with the Browns, who gave up a ton of fantasy points to Jacoby Brissett this week. I'm fine streaming Andy Dalton, despite the really well-documented struggles week one and two. However, Dalton probably can go back on the chopping block before week five against Buffalo. All right, Dalton, 45% owned on Yahoo, everybody. Um, you mentioned Jacoby Brissett. Now, mm-hmm. this week, he has got the – they're at Seattle. I mean, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's someone that I just wanted to mention for those deeper two-quarterback leagues. But, yeah, you don't pick him up and stream him in Seattle. That's that's just murder's row out there. All right. Um, any interest you mentioned to me, um, Case Keenum, assuming that Bradford's out again. Uh, yeah, Keenum he has a little Lions. bit of intrigue, but this is, it's another one of those week to week guys. If you're in a 16 teamer and you're stuck with luck and you need someone to start this week, maybe Keenum, uh, you know, hosting the Lions. But again, don't feel too great about that one. All right. Um, the other guys we could look at. I mean, right now, the guys who are available, um, Goff at the Cowboys. Hoyer at the Cardinals. Don't know that I love. Probably, yeah, Goff I would over Hoyer not in that touch. Case. I, I don't. Yeah, Goff over Hoyer. I, I wouldn't touch Arizona like Denver is almost one of those. Uh, well, of course, Dak Prescott did some weird stuff last night, but normally they're pretty tough on opposing quarterbacks and they really get after them. There was just a case of Dak making plays with his legs last night. Every time he got outside the pocket, me going against him in fantasy, it's almost like uh, when I watch Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Like once he rolls out and is in space. He's finding guys, and he's finding guys downfield. So Dak's a little bit of an exception, but Arizona normally has that pass rush, and Hoyer's not going to be able to escape it. Okay. Um, the other guy, Deshaun Watson. We talked about him last week just because he's going to mm-hmm. run. And this in this uh, most recent game uh, against the Patriots, which he seemed to be – it's funny. Last week we talked about we like fantasy Deshaun Watson a lot better than real-life Deshaun Watson. Well, he actually became – he played better um, mm-hmm. than he did in, in, the, in his first game. But last week – Fantasy-wise here, I'm going to look at the game logs here. Okay, so he threw for 301. Probably not going to expect that again. But again, he Mm -hmm. ran for 41 yards. That's huge because his likelihood of running for a touchdown is higher than most quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially on a day when Lamar Miller is only averaging four yards per carry and, they, uh, and, and they're and they having to throw the ball or, or drop back or, or less emphasis on the run. I don't know. I think I think Watson, this was set up to be a game where he could produce a good amount of counting stats. Now, he did have two picks, but definitely made up for it with the rushing yards and the two touchdowns. And I, I do like what the rushing can do to bring up his floor a couple of points. And he's someone that is generally pretty viable. Now, Tennessee, I think, has a pretty decent defense, but they're definitely not – you know, all hands off like some of those other matchups we discussed. Right. Um, the other one, opposite so you talked about that Cincinnati Cleveland game. Uh, Kaiser's gotten some on the ground. Um, he's got seven picks already, right? Yeah, I'm not too excited about Deshaun Kaiser. I mean, it was the Colts. 
who he had that relatively decent game against, you know, the three picks starts to counter it out. But, you know, he had a better rushing day than Watson with the with the touchdown added on there. So that's 10 points for Kaiser just out of his legs. And then you have 242 yards and two touchdowns that gets brought down by the picks a little bit. But, you know, this is a, this is a Colts team that I don't believe had Vontae Davis playing and just a, a very average below average defense to start with. So I'm not I'm not jumping on that one either. OK. And the last one I want to mention is Carson Palmer. He's over 50 percent. He's a 53 percent ownership. But he's home for the 49ers. Um, mm-hmm. Palmer's thrown for. Let's see. Uh, let's say a lot of yards. <laughs> no, nine yeah, twenty-five yeah. in three games. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's not vintage Carson Palmer, but he's not terrible. No, not at all. Like, he might be the top option out of all these guys that we've talked about this week because the 49ers have given up a good amount of points to opposing quarterbacks. Look what Jared Goff did to them this past week, and he threw for almost 303 touchdowns. So it's a good matchup. And Palmer, even without David Johnson, he still has weapons in the passing game. And without David Johnson, he has to use those weapons more. So we saw Larry Fitzgerald with a huge, huge effort last night. Jerron Brown starting to get looks. J.J. Nelson, he had him downfield a couple times, but he just barely missed. So there's a lot of big playability that I can get Palmer some passing yards. And out, out of all those guys that we mentioned, I think he would be one of the first people that I'm looking at. All right. Who, who's after Palmer? Give me your next two. Oh, man. You know, it's really tough. I never thought I'd say this. But again, it's Dalton just because of the matchup. But you can probably cut him after this week. Right. OK. Um, and of the very low owned guys, because Dalton's around 40. Man, I mm-hmm. love Watson. That's the yeah. one. You're right. I think I think it's got to be Watson in this case. Just be, yeah. I mean, you can maybe make a case for Cutler, but he's another one that you can probably cut bait with after the week. And and Cutler's no lock. He's just he's Jay Cutler. Okay, but but let's look at these guys. You mentioned Dalton, right? Mm-hmm. We t- the three guys I mentioned is let's say the the two guys I mentioned as as primary sit options are Carr and Roethlisberger. Would you start Dalton over Carr or Roethlisberger? I would start Dalton over Carr, but not Roethlisberger. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So that's definitely streamable. Okay, everybody. Mm-hmm. Most of you tried daily fantasy sports games and we know how it went. You had fun playing. You loved competition and, you know, you lost and lost some more and the sharks were in the pool and they, they took your money basically. And you quit playing daily fantasy sports, but da- playing daily fantasy is supposed to be fun. It's just that continually losing isn't. But we're here to tell you about a whole new approach to daily fantasy sports, the fanball number at fanball.com. Here's the fanball difference. Your fanball number identifies your skill level and ensures that you play in contests against players at your skill level. If your fanball number is 35, you're not going to be playing against experts rated in the 80s and 90s because they have their own contests. At fanball.com, every player has a fanball number and every contest has a fanball number so you can find a contest rated around 35 knowing that it'll have players just like you. They've leveled the playing field with the fanball number at fanball.com. It'll give you more fun and a better chance to win. Check that out this week fanball.com all right running backs poor Darren Sproles that was brutal yeah that's you know two really tough breaks in the in the same situation I didn't actually see the injury myself but looking at what it's listed as I probably don't want to yeah the poor guy I feel I love Darren Sproles and I'm afraid Mm -hmm. that I've seen the last of him which is yeah he's been a fantasy producer for so long but you know when you get up there in your mid-30s as a running back and and don't quite have that huge bruising build uh, it's going to be tough to keep her going and bounce back from something like this all right. Um, other guys that are potential cuts. Uh, you mentioned uh, Jaquiz Rogers, which I think makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's been OK so far. Three point four yards per carry. And if you're not going to start him this week, if you're not pressed that press for running backs that you need to start him this week, you can probably let him go because there's not going to be a whole lot of utility afterwards, barring some sort of other Doug Martin injury or suspension. He's, he's not he won't be much more than a Martin handcuff after this week. And is that really worth hanging on to? All right. And um, and Rogers is home for the Giants, whose run defense is pretty darn good, even though the Eagles ate him up a bit last week. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of the Giants, what do you think of the Giants backfield? It's it's kind of committee ish. Uh, mm-hmm. Dark was hurt, but Perkins is I mean, he's not doing anything. How long do you yeah. hang in there? Yeah. You know, Paul Perkins was one of the guys, I'll admit when I'm wrong, he was someone that I, I really liked heading into this year. I watched their playoff game against the Packers uh, last year before the start of the season and saw his heavy usage. And and I thought his skills and elusiveness would be able to translate. But I just don't think I think that McAdoo and the play calling, it's just been a little bit too vanilla. And it, it's very predictable for Perkins. And it's not really conducive to any traditional runner working. So the question I've been getting the most over the last couple of weeks is, can I drop Paul Perkins now? Can I drop Paul Perkins now? Because a lot of friends and, and family that I helped drafted, you know, we get in the eighth, ninth round. It's like, oh, Perkins is out there. I go get him. And 
normally I'd say, okay, maybe he can be dropped given a back of that type of production over the first three weeks. But Orleans Darkwa is still kind of – he's still dealing with a back injury and being examined. I don't know how long he's going to be out. So the Darkwa injury in its own buys at least another week of hanging on to Paul Perkins. Maybe I wouldn't start him, but I'm not quite sure I would cut him yet because he's someone – he came on really strong towards the end of last season and and maybe – we, we need some sort. Maybe they need a revitalization like the like the Bengals did with the, their change in, in offensive coordinator. Maybe the Giants just need to change the play, play caller or shake something up and, and get something going. So maybe one more week. But if Perkins comes out there with a five carries, nine yard type of line again, then then you might have to think about cutting bait. All right. Um, the other one, you mentioned Joe Mixon earlier. Uh, you know, before the season, I was I was buying into the committee type thing. I basically said, well, you know, Jeremy Hill got 29 touchdowns the last few years. And they're not just going to bury him. I think it's time mm-hmm. to bury Jeremy Hill. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Now, the new offensive coordinator, I, I'm surprised the old offensive coordinator in an effort to save his job didn't start giving Mixon the bulk of the carries. It was way too even of a split. You have to, you know, say what you want about Joe Mixon as a person. But as the running back, he's the most athletic best back in that backfield and I think that was made pretty apparent in the against the Packers and he's going to continue to see the bulk of the workload Giovanni Bernard's a nice change of pace might line up in the slot that's why I think I think you can keep him around in in PPR leagues but unless something were to happen to mix in health injury wise I I don't think there's a spot for Hill on fantasy rosters all right um for players that we can pick up I mean yeah you missed most people missed the boat on Chris Thompson he's 76 percent on listen I talked about him on Monday that you know, mm-hmm. w- what we could expect from him. And we think we're at the ring. The, the first couple of games, his touch count was low, but he made plays. And then this week, his touch count got higher. And we kind of agreed that 12 touches sounds about right for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if uh, Pirine comes back healthy. Now, Pirine just had a bruised hand. And of course, he had quite a few carries in that game. I believe it was over 20. Um, but, uh, but regardless, uh, I think I think Thompson's probably the more talented back. And I like what Pirine was... He, I liked him before the season a little bit as better than Rob Kelly, but Chris Thompson's kind of coming out of nowhere and really taking a, a bigger leap that uh, that people didn't expect. So he's probably someone that needs to be on, especially in PPR formats. I mean, seven targets was the most on the team. Granted, they were ahead most of that game, but even the fact that they were ahead most of that game and Chris Thompson still saw quite a bit of snaps, I think that uh, that bodes well for his outlook moving forward. It does, everybody. Just remember, he's a little guy, so he's not going to get 20 carries a game. They're going to they're manage him just maybe a little less than they've managed him before. Um, looking at Philly, so Sproles is out. Um, Blunt ran well. Wendell Smallwood got into the conversation. And so did Corey Clement got a touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Former Wisconsin Badger Corey Clement uh, scored a lot of those here at Wisconsin. <laughs> so see, see, we have to always – I didn't even know. I didn't even realize that I was bringing up a Wisconsin Badger today. But Yep. Okay. Got to clear that up. You know, I am doing this podcast from – uh, Madison, Wisconsin, about less than a block from where the Badgers play basketball at the Cole Center. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Well, uh, he went six for 22. I, I kind of like Smallwood and maybe mm-hmm. not just because the thing about Smallwood is he's not necessarily just a change of pace guy for Blunt. Mm-hmm. He could be more than that because he's not a little, little guy. He's two oh something. I don't know how big, but he's 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 not a tiny guy. Hold on. I'm looking it up. He's two oh eight, five ten, two oh eight. Um, yeah. I, so I think Smallwood could get sneaky busy here. And he's the type of guy who, if I was stashing a running back on a bench, he looks like a pretty good candidate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, uh, you know, the, one of the themes of this podcast, we were kind of chatting a little bit before the show, but there aren't very many guys that I would I would be breaking the bank for or I would be using my top waiver wire priority on. But if you look at all the waivers from top to bottom of the list, I would actually say um, that unless you're in one of those leagues or Chris Thompson's out there, I would say that Wendell Smallwood is probably your top target because with Sproles out, Smallwood takes over as the third down back for sure, pretty much. We know that much, but he's just 8% owned and he got an identical amount of carries as LeGarrette Blunt. And remember, it wasn't that long ago last week that LeGarrette Blunt was someone on my chopping block personally that uh, I wasn't going to, of course, now that all gets shaken up with an injury. Uh, so, you know, he, he can't uh, get, get too mad at me for that one. But th- they split carries evenly and Smallwood had a little bit better yards per carry, almost six yards per carry. And he's the one that's going to get passes. He was targeted only twice, but I think we could see that move up a little bit moving forward. And, and like, you know, I say this, uh, I say this all the time. I said this a few times on the podcast that Smallwood has that 
he has the running style that is more conducive to what Peterson wants to run in Philadelphia. So uh, even if he does get an even split with LeGarrette Blunt moving forward, I still I like him to maybe even outproduce. He'll he'll outgain Blunt in yardage throughout the rest of the year. Maybe not in touchdowns, but you know take that use that information as you will, and I think that makes him one of the top targets for this week. Okay, um, are you surprised, Deontay Foreman? He's not outproducing. Lamar Miller really yet, but it's getting closer. Is it getting to a point where if you owned Miller, you'd start to worry? And if you did or didn't own Foreman, you'd get kind of excited about him? I wouldn't be over the top excited yet, but he needs to be on the radar. Now, I was a Lamar Miller owner last year. He didn't quite produce like I thought he would, but the volume was there for Lamar Miller. Now, last year, he carried the ball 268 times. That's quite a bit more than any other mark in his career. I mean, we all he, he always got hounded and the Dolphins did for not giving him the ball enough. And maybe that workload might start to, uh, to to get after him. And at the very least, if the Texans are smart, they're going to want to balance out that rushing attack a little bit to not put him on a pace to get 300 carries, which he's not. So if that's the case, Foreman has a little bit of a role. And, you know, he caught two passes for 65 yards. Uh, Lamar Miller averaging less than four yards a carry, but as is Foreman. I just think Foreman needs to be on the radar. You got that little flag in most fantasy formats where you can click on the guy get your updates or you can add him to a watch list on rotowire to see what people are saying about him what his role is week to week he's someone to keep an eye out there for maybe a speculative zero to one dollar bid in a week where there's not just there's not a whole lot to go after on the wire yeah i think you're right about he's he's a guy you should definitely be looking for um alex collins on the ravens uh, it was garbage time west is still there allen's still there that's a that's a no-go right yeah Alex Collins is kind of uh, it's a mirage for me. He's owned in two percent of leagues, and I think you can probably leave him out there. Now, if you sort by any kind of rushing yards or fantasy point total, he's going to come up near the top because he's had that production. But I mean, the nine point one yards per carry is nice and all, but you hit it right on the head, John. It is garbage time. And I believe uh, Alex Collins, he only played 10 of 58 snaps. So a healthy West, which we don't know if we're going to get, and Javorius Allen is the one-two punch in Baltimore. Those two guys are going to be taking it over the majority of weeks. Any weeks where the games are reasonably close, Collins probably going to be limited to single-digit snaps, and of course that limits your fantasy upside. Yeah, Buck Allen, thanks for nothing on Sunday, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Duke Johnson's about little shade over fifty percent. He caught six passes the other day, and he got that uh, that cool touchdown where he jumped over everybody. But he only had two carries. I mean, in a PPR league. He, he's a kind of sort of maybe if you really need to. He might be better in bye weeks, but other than that, he doesn't run enough, unfortunately. Yeah, he does. Yeah, you're exactly right. He doesn't carry the ball. But like like you said, if you're in a PPR league, even a 12 teamer, I think you can warrant a wa- roster spot on him. And he could be one of those types of players that'll get you maybe six to 10 points in, in, in a bye week, which which is reasonable. Someone like that has a spot on a fantasy roster, but you know, keep an eye on him because if anything ever did happen to Crowell, Johnson would be a top target and that value would shoot way up. So someone that's worth owning, I'd say. All right. The guy you mentioned was um, Jamal Williams and uh, you actually had some pre- you've got some pretty good logic behind this one, at least for this week. Yeah, this week uh, it's because the Packers played. Uh, it was the hottest temperature at kickoff in Packers history at Lambeau Field uh, for a home game there. So uh, that's something to to note. And McCarthy had kind of been saying that, hey, we need to calm down Ty Montgomery's usage. He's been getting used really, really heavily. And there's already been s- instances in games where he's had to come out for a couple plays. And he played 66 of 70 snaps Sunday. And the Packers have a really quick turnaround to Thursday against the Bears. Uh, the Packers are favored by seven. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they – I mean, the Bears have played pretty impressively at home this year. I mean, you got the Steelers with Big Ben on the road, and they almost beat Atlanta. It took them to the very last play. But uh, nonetheless, I still think uh, – well, this game's at Lambeau actually too. So Packers have that going for them. But anyway, Jamal Williams in the deepest of leagues might be worth a look. He might get a few more carries than normal just because of what I – expect the game flow to be like and because it's a good opportunity to get montgomery a break when they've been riding him hard early in the year all right um two guys i want to ask you about um jamal charles is one now he's he's certainly a second banana but he's mm-hmm. a decent workload second banana he's 34 percent owned yeah i actually didn't even think to include charles on this outline because i assumed he was still owned a little bit higher than that and he is not and maybe he's worth a look i still think it's uh it's cj anderson's um backfield for the most part it's got to be his and even uh you know 
because you look at backs over the course of the season, even though he wasn't used a lot um, in week three, he's still pro football focused as number two rated back uh, this year. So uh, something definitely worth a look. He can he's he's not a negative in any particular category that they like to grade people in. And, and he's someone that, you know, I'll, I'll take this week as the outlier as Esther the norm. I don't see Charles getting more carries than Anderson in most weeks. Right. The other one I just wanted to mention real quick was Andre Ellington. And we've mm-hmm. gone down this rabbit hole before with him back a couple of years ago when everybody thought he was going to be really good. And Bruce Arians said he was going to get the ball 25 times a game. He's not that kind of back. But watching last night, he pretty obviously looked better than Chris Johnson. Yeah, I, th- I think we can draw that conclusion. I mean, Chris Johnson for the stat line, in case you missed it, 12 carries, 17 yards. That's a 1.4 average. That's just not going to cut it. And they're a team that needs to run the ball and, you know, just to keep some of that weight off Carson Palmer's shoulders. Palmer threw the ball 48 times last night. That's not a recipe for the Cardinals to win. Someone needs to run the ball. Uh, I wish I would have played Andre Ellington over Samaj Pirine. Then I wouldn't have had to worry about that little Dak Prescott, uh, that, that, that narrow margin I discussed at the beginning of the show. But overall, I think Ellington's, he could be up there on that list. I, it really limits me to PPR formats because I'm not sure uh, he's all of a sudden going to come in and get 15 carries a game. They're going to split that with Johnson. Right. Maybe involve Kerwin Williams a little bit more. But, you know, he's been using the return game. He was the the hot candidate week week uh, one after week one in the David Johnson injury. But he's someone that's probably on the chopping block now. Um, overall, yeah, Ellington, someone that you can low end flex in PPR leagues in most of the weeks, especially in games where the Cardinals are underdogs. And uh, as far as Ellington goes, he is available. Let's see. He is 7% owned. So if you wanted him in a PPR, he might be a, he might be a sneaky pickup for me. I think the ceiling's not mm-hmm. great, but I think I might yeah. be putting in a bit or two on mm-hmm. him this week. Yeah, there's a league where I own David Johnson, and I put relative – while everyone was going after Kerwin Williams, I put relatively modest bids on both Ellington and Chris Johnson. Well, I mean, I'll be honest. I put one on Williams too. I just didn't win it. And I took those other two guys – and I'm, when I'm looking to replace my next roster spot, and it's between Ellington and Chris Johnson, I'm probably more comfortable letting Chris Johnson go at this point. I think you're absolutely right. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from VCUSA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. All right, let's go to wide receivers. Um, your drop candidates here. The Cooper Cup experiment, it's not going the way I hoped, Jake. I like yeah, this one lo- in the beginning. Yeah, he looked great after week one, and you know the long-term outlook I still think is there for him to be productive. Uh, but in a game where the Rams put up what was it 41 points so yeah 41 points against san francisco cooper cup was just he was an afterthought he was only targeted twice now efficient you caught both of those targets but both robert woods and sammy watkins were targeted seven times each caught six passes for over 100 yards watkins caught two touchdowns in a game where they're throwing the ball that much i mean it wasn't even a ton Gurley got 28 carries golf through 28 times so almost perfect balance there um, if anything, you count the other carries, then uh, they, they ran more than they passed. But nonetheless, in a game where they had to you know, continue to uh, keep up, I guess, so to speak, um, Cooper Cup was a non-factor. And so I wouldn't drop him in Dynasty Leagues, especially if you have him on a good contract. I know Dynasty Leagues all work a little bit different. Um, but in single season leagues, I think you might be someone that you could probably say goodbye to. OK, uh, you might be right. I was pretty convinced coming out of camp that he was going to throw to Cooper Cup eight, nine times a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the Watkins thing kind of threw a wrench in that. To be honest, that might have uh, that might have been the the dagger on the fantasy value of Cooper Cup. Yep, it might have been. Um, Nelson Aguilar looked great week one. Since then, not so much. Yeah, and even that week one touchdown, that was a wild scramble by Wentz where Aguilar just happened to be open, and I did caution a little bit on that. He's been used very sparingly since. Elshon Jeffrey starting to be more involved. Zach Ertz is Carson Wentz's favorite target. And I think both Ertz and Jeffrey are above Aguilar in the pecking order. And 
at least in week three. Torrey Smith was as well. So if, if you go, if he's that far down the list, does he really warrant a roster spot? Yeah, there'll be some weeks where he where he's a factor, but you know, overall, someone you put in your lineup week to week, probably not. All right. As far as players to pick up, um, come down to my neck of the woods for our first guy, Devin Funchess. Kelvin Benjamin's status for week four uncertain. It sounds like the injury is not serious, meaning he has not torn up his knee again. But Mm -hmm. his outlook for week four is kind of dicey. Yeah, I'm seeing uh, no structural damage. So the MRI revealed that. So that's good. But again, the Panthers aren't quite sure about his availability week four in New England. And uh, I mean, someone like Kelvin Benjamin is the type of player that Bill Belichick's going to focus on taking away anyway because greg olson's not the guy that's going to do it maybe christian mccaffrey i guess we'll see there but anyway in the absence of kelvin benjamin when he when he left that game devin punches was targeted 10 times now i don't now the final stat line wasn't too crazy it was just four catches for 58 yards but i follow the targets every single time and 10 targets anytime someone gets double digit targets that's you know less than 40 percent owned or whatever they're probably going to get a spot on this show and if benjamin doesn't play week four then i think you have to take a look at funches because they don't have greg olson as a security blanket ed dixon only got one target then you go down the depth chart after that curtis samuel russell shepherd demir bird i mean those guys are not a whole lot more than special teams guys. Am I wrong there, John? Uh, no, they're really not. I mean, Curtis Samuel, they tried to get more involved last week, but they mm-hmm. didn't. He, I did see he had a 31-yard carry, so yeah. interesting. And they, they had him on the field. Um, they threw to him. Did they throw to him deep once? I thought they did. I mean, I, I think they're going to try, especially if Benjamin's out, to get him more involved. But I don't think that, that he's going to be more of a boom or bust type of play than mm-hmm. anything yeah. if they do get him involved. Yeah. And, and Funchess, you know, six four two twenty five. he always gets mentioned on the show. Uh, you know, I've done this waiver wire podcast. I believe this is my fourth year now. And uh, he always gets a mention at some point in the year, but he never really jumps up to be a consistent fantasy producer. Again, he's a top wide receiver option this week because of circumstance. But I'm not looking at this for rest of season. I'm looking at it for for week four. And then and then after that, we'll reevaluate. I, I agree with you 100 um, percent. Adam Humphreys on the Bucks, you know, slot guy, PPR guy with not many yards per catch. You know, we've seen this from him before. And Jameis did throw to him. I mean, I don't have the context in front of me as to whether Humphreys receptions were, were garbage time or not. Mm-hmm. You know, some were, some weren't. That kind of falls into the category of he got double digit targets. So he's worth a mention. Six for 68 is probably going to be one of his better games all year. So I think we can probably we can probably you know back off on that. And if you're in a 16 team t- PPR with four wide receivers and a flex or something, then maybe. But uh, he's worth a mention because he got looks more looks than Deshaun Jackson. But Deshaun Jackson scored and produced more yards. So, you know. Right. It is what it is. Yeah, I guess I guess the third or fourth receiving option on, on the Bucks is, you know, a break glass in case of emergency type thing. And then maybe mm-hmm. that's about it. Um, Sterling Shepard had a huge game against the Eagles. The Giants finally had a, a real game and they threw to their wide receivers a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eli threw the ball 47 times in that game. The team as a team, they rushed. 17 times only so not a ton of balance there and i mean that's what they were forced to do given the circumstances uh they fell behind uh pretty early you know uh, going into the fourth quarter they were down 14 to nothing so you know they had to pass at this point and Shepard certainly had an intriguing stat line seven for 133 his 10 targets you know double digit targets again i always followed the targets but you need to mention that Odell Beckham led the way with 13, as you'd expect. And even Brandon Marshall got 11 looks and had one of his better games of the year with eight catches for 66 yards. So, yes, still think Shepard may be on the radar. Do you start him week to week? I think that would be dependent on Beckham re-aggravating the ankle or something happening to Marshall. That Then Shepard would come into play. Right. Okay. Um, do you have any interest in starting if Cobb is out again for the Packers? Now, Cobb is was listed as uh, limited for Monday. Even though they didn't practice, they had to list him somehow, and they didn't list him as out. They listed him as limited for Monday's mm-hmm. alleged practice. Um, if Cobb is out again, would would you fire up Geronimo Allison on Thursday night? I could see him as like a flex option or, or, or a wide receiver three for Geronimo Allison because he is someone that, okay, so the opposing defenses, of course, as they should be giving the attention to Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams is, is a supreme athlete. But Geronimo Allison, he pretty much had the Randall Cobb type role. And I think that he's worth a look. He's only 9% owned. And I don't think that Cobb will play on Thursday, given that he was, quote, not close or he wasn't close to playing on Sunday. I, I would guess that with the short turnaround, uh, they, they would be sitting another week. Um, and in that case, then 
Geronimo Allison comes into play. He was the third most in targets. Ty Montgomery actually got 12 targets for the Packers. Jordy Nelson, nine, and then Geronimo Allison, eight. And, and of course, he finished with the most most yards, six for 122, and tied Jordy Nelson for the most catches. Of course, it was Nelson that Rodgers looks to in the end zone. Long story short, the third wide receiver in an Aaron Rodgers offense always has some type of fantasy value. And if you're pressing for a wide receiver this week, I think you could get some value out of Geronimo. Okay. Um, next up, you're frustrated with uh, Tyrell Williams with the Chargers, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a little frustrated. I'm not starting him. But when I started, you know, I wrote that. I wrote maybe Tyrell Williams might be on the chopping block. You know, maybe take a look at Benjamin. I looked into it further. I wouldn't make that move. I wouldn't swap out Williams for Benjamin. I think you just got to hold Tyrell Williams at this point. He only had two catches for 15 yards on seven targets, but he played 71 snaps. Benjamin, on the other hand, 46 snaps, uh, and he had eight targets, so only one more target. And I would write that off as as more of a one-week thing instead of a pattern. Hang on to Tyrell Williams, and I'm still not super high on Benjamin. Okay. Um, Josh Doxson. Man, that touchdown catch was nice. That was an insane touchdown catch, and I know he found his way onto our chopping block in uh, in some earlier shows, and he was a player that I like, but maybe it's time that he gets that role in the offense that he finally deserves or like like where they drafted him at, and he showed the athletic ability, and man, he's got the size to be an impact player in the red zone, especially if, if Jordan reads out. I think Doxon is probably one of their better options. If Pryor can't get rid of some of those drops issues and, and, and get back on track, you could see Josh Doxson's role grow. And I'm not advocating pick him up and start him this week, but if he's better than the last player on your bench, he's worth an ad. Yep. And he's I mean, there's potential there, certainly, if you're if you're into the stash strategy. Mm-hmm. Um Willie Sneed's back this week for the Saints, right? Yep. And people seem to be forgetting that. He's only owned twenty six percent of Yahoo leagues leagues, but definitely don't forget about that name. Go grab him. I, I mean, he's owned in all of all of my leagues that have full owners always paying attention. But go go grab Willie Sneed because going into the year before the suspension, he was drafted like the number two Saints receiver behind Michael Thomas. I like him better than Ted Ginn rest of season. Uh, he's worth the stash for sure. All right. So I had uh, some guys and there's one weird one for me that mm-hmm. shouldn't be there. I am a big Corey Davis guy. Yes, he is 20. He's 42 percent owned on Yahoo. They're not sure if he's going to play this week, okay? But if you're talking about a, a stash option, I can't think of a better one at wide receiver than him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Doxon's up there with him for me. But Corey Davis, man, what he can bring physically to this Tennessee Titans team uh, to get them at full strength, I think he is right up there in the stash option uh, category. And, yeah, he's got that hamstring injury. That's a little bit, uh, you know, a little dicey. You never really know for sure. But I remember a receiver named Odell Beckham that came back for missed the first, you know, four or five weeks with a hamstring injury and, and came back and had a pretty decent rookie year. So will that be Corey Davis? You know, that might be a stretch, but at 6'3", 210, he's got the body type and, and, and the physical skills to uh, eventually excel in this league. And I mean, Rochelle, Richard Matthews going to get a decent amount of targets. Corey Davis, absolutely more skilled than someone like Decker on that depth chart. So there's a role for him once his health and body cooperates. All right. Um, down to Jacksonville, not a high powered offense here, but in the two games since Allen Robinson went out, Marquise Lee in week two. Seven for 76 on 12 targets in week three, four for 65 on seven targets, uh, at least in PPR formats. You got to check him out. Yeah, I think he needs to be universally owned in PPR formats. And it was and this is these are surprising ownership numbers because I believe, you know, he didn't have a huge game against the Ravens. Of course, it's not every week that uh, Mercedes Lewis is going to get three touchdowns. But, you know, I, I think I went against him in two leagues. So it's surprising <laughs> to see this this uh, this low ownership right now. If you're in a PPR league, I might actually bump him ahead of Funches this week. But I didn't even think to include him. On, on the list I sent to you initially, John, because I, I just didn't expect him to uh, be this available. Definitely weird. I agree. Um, another guy, I, I like Muhammad Sanu in PPR, low ceiling. The other one, Jaron Brown from the from the Cardinals. Um, caught a touchdown last night. Only two for 27. Actually got a touch, touchdown called back, too. Yes, he, he did have a touchdown called back. I, I remember that. Um, two touch- six targets. Yeah, six, worth 11 last at. week, six targets last night. Mm, you know? Mm-hmm. Not bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as lo- I think his value might take a little bit if and when we see John Brown. But, um, you know, hey, you got to make sure you're picking up the right Jay Brown, I guess, at this point. Yes. Uh, so that's always something that you got to worry about. But I think Jerron Brown is viable 
definitely not the first person I'm looking to throw in my starting lineup, but uh, but he's he's going to be viable uh, as long as J- John Brown is up. All right. Everybody, raise your hand if you won less than you thought last season. Daily Fantasy Football. My hand's raised. Um, you play against people with 100 en- entries. It's just really tough, and it's just a losing proposition if you're, you know, let's say more of a casual player or even if you're a somewhat serious player. If you're tired of losing at Daily Fantasy Football, check out Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store. Let's Rumble, that's Let's Rumble without any at the end, matches you with players of the same skill level, giving you a fair chance every time. You can play head-to-head for your best chance of winning or group up to play multiple rivals for a bigger payout. Rank in the weekly leaderboards to win free cash prizes. You heard that right. Free cash prizes awarded every week. All you have to do is play the game and you'll be entered into the leaderboards. Your highest score will determine your spot that week. Download Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store and get a free $5 bonus with your deposit. That's Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store now and get your free $5 bonus with your deposit. Check it out. Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store. All right, moving to tight end. Um, you mentioned Jordan Reed, whose status is still dicey. Mm-hmm. Vernon Davis is 8% ownership still for the game against the Chiefs. So Yeah, the, the Chiefs uh, do a pretty good job defending tight ends for the most part. You know, they kept Gronk in check week one, so, you know, it doesn't get super exciting for me. But, I, you know, there's a spot. I took the only share of Vernon Davis I have was maybe my second to last pick in a 20-round best ball, and that, that actually might have paid off for me this past week. So, yeah, he's worth a look, but the matchup this week, I don't know, makes me back off a little bit. It does. I, w- I will say that since Redskins Chiefs is Monday night, look, Davis is 8% owned on Yahoo. If you have Jordan Reed and you want to wait on Jordan Reed, I mean, mm-hmm. there, there you go. It's Yeah, the, there's your solution right there. Yeah. Then then you can rationalize a few extra of your $5 going out his way. Right. It doesn't get more obvious than that on who you wait for in a late game, I guess, for a guy mm-hmm. who's available. Um, yep. People were dropping. Oh, Austin Hooper. This makes me sad that he's here. Yeah, I really liked him. And, you know, if you have the roster spot or you have a reliable, I mean, this isn't many people, but if you have like an Ertz or a Kelsey on your team that you can start every week with confidence, then maybe you can hang on to Hooper and wait it out a couple weeks. But in a shallow league, I, he can probably go two targets each week. Yeah, this guy in the preseason, none of us could shut up about him, that he was sort of your outside the top 12 sleeper tight end type because late last year Ryan started looking for him and the talent was there you know he has the draft pedigree and he's gotten two targets a week for three straight games mm-hmm. even I mean, after that you know that and the first week that was kind of a little bit fluky against the Bears he was just completely uncovered and then he rumbled his way into the end zone but uh, so that definitely gave people some more hope but right. it's going to be really tough to hang on to a guy whose volume's that low I, I agree um, one other cuttable guy, um, you mentioned Julius Thomas here. He's not really, he's just not doing much. Three catches yeah. in each of his last two. He's, he's the first guy. I mean, I, there, I've got a league where I've got, um, Gronk is my starter and Ingram is my backup. And I was going to hold on to Ingram and Thomas to see who could show me something this week. Even when the jets entering that game late down, or I'm sorry, the, the dolphins down 20 to nothing. Thomas didn't get a ton of action. So I'm not sure if or when he will, he probably goes on my chopping block. All right, and the last one. You mentioned Ed Dixon here. I will say the Panthers said the other day they need to get Dixon. After Sunday, they said, you know what, we need to get Dixon more involved. Yeah, you know, maybe that was just – you know how sometimes people will rage drop someone? I think I put him on that <laughs> list after after I started him in my – so it's not had, a must keep by any means. Yeah. I mean I, I'm in a 16-team league where I drafted Greg Olson and didn't have any other tight ends, period. So I threw some actual fab money on Ed Dixon just to make sure I got his, his backup. And now I'm thinking, man, what am I going to do now? I'm going to have to go with one of these other guys. But I might give him another week in my lineup. We'll see. I was just surprised that he didn't do anything against the Saints who are normally gold against opposing tight ends. Right. Exactly. I thought the same thing. Okay. So the big tight end of week three was Mar- certainly Mercedes Lewis. Who is owned in one percent of Yahoo leagues? Yeah, <laughs> and he got three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of what our job as fantasy analysts is is we've been doing this, you know, decades at this point. You know, I've played fantasy football since I was in second grade, and one of the biggest things that we do for people is to tell them when things are a little bit fluky. And I think this is one of those situations where the alarm goes off. He hasn't had more than four touchdowns in a single season since 2010 when he had 10, but that's a completely different regime, different quarterback. So, you know, it, I, I don't quite take that into account here, but yeah, this is a, uh, he's had more touchdowns this season than, well, he's had the exact same amount of touchdowns this season as he has in his last 34 games. 
Yeah. So what you know, we have to calm down a little bit here. I don't think that this is a pattern that can keep up. So I shouldn't be spending my entire budget on Mercedes Lewis. Believe it or not, you can probably uh, give it a little bit of a rest on this 33-year-old tight end. Got it. Thank you. Appreciate that advice. Oh, um, you got it. Ben Watson was a little disappointing. I thought he was going to have a good – after week two, when he got targeted incessantly, I thought he was going to have a decent game against the Jags, and it didn't quite work out. Yeah, you know, these Ravens as a whole were a little bit disappointing, and that's an understatement, I guess you can say. Um, but Watson, I still think, is worth a, a roster spot as your tight end, too, at this point. I mean, he um, – he, didn't get this is the first week he didn't get a positive grade by pro football focus he was still out there for 40 snaps he seems like someone that uh, the ravens will you know continue to use when they get in games that are more you know normal of a game through flow all right um other guys i want to be. evan engram um 39 ownership not putting up huge stats and as you mentioned earlier shepherd's gonna catch basically he becomes the fourth receiving option on the giants but mm-hmm. four catches yeah, four I mean, catches five catches yeah, we've seen that uh, in the past, especially in week two when they were struggling. Ingram was one of the only people Eli could go to. And I think Ingram's role is going to gradually grow a little bit as the season as the season goes on. And he's a pretty safe bet. He'd be I like what he can do from an athletic standpoint. And I guess I'm holding out hope for that. And he becomes one of the top guys out of all these people on this list that we're talking about. So he's up there in consideration. But again, I'm keeping him as my backup tight end. All right. My man, Charles Clay. Only 23% ownership on Yahoo. Okay. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a huge, his, his numbers were the touchdown saved him. Yes. Okay. But six for 39, you know, I mean, he catches, he, Tyrod Taylor's throwing to him. He doesn't have a lot of wide receivers. He's one of those low ceiling, but reasonable volume types for me in PPR. Yeah. You give him a decent enough floor. I think he can be a, a pretty good plug and play option. I mean, had one of the tougher matchups around in the Denver Broncos and was still able to find the end zone. And I think you hit it right on the head, John, with the lack of receiving options in Buffalo. Uh, there, there's just not a whole lot for Taylor to go to. And of course, they're going to be a team that wants to run the ball more than anything. But Clay was got the second more, most targets on that team behind LaShawn McCoy, who had seven, Clay had six, and he was efficient and caught them all. Um, I think he can be owned, but people stay away from him just because, you know, the, the ceiling is a little bit limited. I think, you know, you get a short yardage touchdown and uh, that's what you can hope for. And that's definitely not going to happen every week. All right. Um, I also wanted to mention Cameron Brait, 41% owned. He, he caught a touchdown last week and the giants have a lot of touchdown to tight end in three straight games. Mm-hmm. If you're holding, size alert, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Raise the alarm there a little bit. If you're holding on to OJ Howard, thinking you're going to get something out of him, you can probably drop him for Brait. But if you're, you're in a league where you're holding OJ Howard, Brait's probably not around. Um, but yeah, Brait would be the fantasy tight end to own in Tampa Bay. And I still think he's going to fall behind. Definitely Mike Evans, probably Deshaun Jackson. Uh, he'll be right up there with a, with a Humphreys level of targets, I guess. And, and that seems to be reasonable given the state of the tight end position right now. All right, last one. Austin Sferian Jenkins talked about him in preseason. He made his debut for the Jets. Six targets, five catches, thirty-one yards. It's yeah, I mean, something. how many leagues? How many leagues have I taken him early on? You know, a few years ago in fantasy football, thinking, you know, watching some of his college film and seeing what he can do as an athlete, and thinking, man, I need to get a share of this. And then he always let me down. Um, the fact that Josh McCowns is quarterback doesn't isn't particularly encouraging for me. Um, but I put him kind of right in, and he's right in the middle of this group. I mean, with guys that will get just a handful of catches, but might not win you an entire week. I, I guess we'll see though, because he, he does kind of have the build for it. And there aren't much, uh, in terms of wide receivers in the jets. Everyone knows that's a fairy and Jenkins six, five, two fifty. So if he does finally have his act together, there could be a decent, uh, a decent red zone target there. And I mean, you know, Josh McCown did have a tight end that he liked a whole lot in Gary Barnage a few years back. So who knows? Maybe there's potential there. All right. Give me your top two tight ends. Top two tight ends this week, man. I still go back to Ingram and uh, probably throw Ben Watson on there if they're available. Okay. And we didn't, we didn't rank the wide receivers. Who do you, we didn't rank the the receivers. Mm -mm. Um, well, I would say Lee first, if you're a PPR and he's out there, but otherwise, fun just because of opportunity, followed by Geronimo, given that Randall Cobb doesn't play. Got it. Um, and finally, streaming defenses. There is one such obvious choice here on streaming defenses. Such the obvious one? Uh, oh, boy. Uh, for me, it came down to the Jaguars yeah. at the Jets. 
Um, they're, they have a lot of talent on defense. The problem with this team over the last couple of years even hasn't been defense. It's been, uh, you know, Blake Bortles being ineffective. And the Jags have a heck of a pass rush and a lot of good young linebackers and put them up against the, the Jets and Josh McCown. I'll take that matchup. And the other one that came to mind, who's less owned if you're in a deeper league, the Bengals head to Cleveland. And we know about Deshaun Kaiser and all of his picks, and the Bengals are only 20% owned. So I normally don't like streaming a road team, but the matchups here are juicy enough that we got to let her go. All right. And, and the one I meant, but when I said obvious, it was I was talking about the Jags, but you brought up an interesting point. So roads are not great. So do you normally, if you're going to pick up one of these, do you look and you say, I will take the Jags because their defense is better against a subpar quarterback like McCown, or I prefer the Bengals, whose defense isn't as good as the Jags, but they get to face Kaiser, who could just implode. I think I'm going to go talent and go with the Jags in this case. But again, with the Jags being 43% owned and and a lot of people maybe hanging on to them, if you're in a league where owners inexplicably hang on to a second defense, they're probably not around. Um, but I had to mention the Bengals. I, I, I think the Jags are going to be my first choice. Uh, I, I put it in the order. I like them there. But uh, it's not as far apart as one might think. OK. Um, could you if you couldn't get one of those two, let's say, let's say, you know, you go to the waiver wire and someone has a higher priority and beats you to it or something. Um, could you consider the Jets versus Bortles? It could be considered uh, because the other the next factor I look at when streaming defenses is the over under on the game and the over under right now is thirty nine point five. That's the lowest of the week. So you can maybe consider the Jets because there aren't expected to be a ton of points scored in that game. But I'm still quite hesitant. Uh, now, I know it was, it's the Bortles London Wembley Stadium magic. But after what he did last week, I, I, I'd be a little hesitant to go ahead and, and jump on the Jets against against that quarterback who showed that he can at least do it. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Um, everybody, listeners to this podcast can get a free 10-day Rotowire trial, rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out, rotowire.com slash pod. Jake, what else are you up to this week? Man, I've got a lot more waiver wire stuff to go on uh, today, so you can ask me questions live on Facebook Live later on this afternoon. I'll do that about 4.30 Central, 5.30 Eastern time there. Um, otherwise, college basketball practice starts in three days, so planning that content on the site as well. Holy moly. College bas- Wait, college basketball practice? Okay, this is going to make me sound like a complete moron. College basketball practice isn't October 15th anymore? Nope. The, the season starts uh, early, a little over a week in November when you start to get at the midnight madness and teams are coming together. You know, if you're walking around campus here on Madison, you can see the Badgers running Bascom Hill already. So these guys are, are about ready to get together and, and, and see what we got for the upcoming season. All right. So everybody go check that out and check out Jake on Facebook Live later today on Tuesday. Um, and if you like this podcast, please leave us a review and a rating. We'd really appreciate that. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast sponsored by Fanball. Our next episode's coming on Thursday. So come on back then and we'll be able to help you out and pre- start previewing week four. For Jake Latarski, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.